welcome to the Blind Shots Podcast. I'm your host, David Hill, coming to you from the physical therapy table at the UK Sports Medicine Clinic, because I don't accept my limitations, and this is Season 3, Episode 19. This episode is the second half of my conversation with Matthew McCready, the Director of Operations at Man of War Golf here in Lexington, Kentucky. We pick up where we left off discussing the present and future states of merchandising and golf equipment for golfers, the golf consumer. And then we meander towards how Matthew sees the dynamic between grassroots junior golf, on public courses mainly, and exposure to more aspirational courses as children and adults grow into the game. Before we get to all of that, though, remember that you're invited to interact with the show on Twitter at BlindShotsPod, as well as over on Instagram at BlindShotsPodcast. There are links in the show notes to Man of War Golf's website, and I've added one specific to the Saturday Morning Junior Clinics, which our family are such fans of, so that I hope you will take a chance to see what might be available for the junior golfers in your life. A reminder that while this show is a proud member of the Talking Golf Network of Shows, the Blind Shots podcast is sponsored exclusively by me, David Hill, Realtor. In addition to playing, talking, and writing about golf, I'm a licensed Kentucky Realtor with Rector Hayden Realtors. I work with homeowners buying and selling their homes, though right now, finding buyers what they want in our white-hot real estate market, starved of inventory, might actually be harder than a 200-yard carry over water with out-of-bounds along the entire left side. You can find my contact information at davidhill.rhr.com. If you've got a real estate question, if you're wondering how to successfully navigate uh, real estate in our current environment, reach out to me. We can start a conversation, and the coffee's always free. And now, the second half of my conversation with Man of War Golf's Matthew McCready. Not an explosion, but there were a couple of high-end fitting outfits that that was their business model. Was you talked about the upsell, right. um, and they just merged. Club Champion and somebody else just put their heads together, which to me feels like Sirius and XM Radio right. kind of coming together. Yeah. It's like, well, we can't survive separately, so let's try. Is there technology that is going to put them more it's going to make them struggle more or do you think with integration and god the metaverse i can't believe i I hate that i know what that word is um there's always going to be the touch it feel it crowd that's me i'm not buying a golf club without hitting it um but is that do you think that space for them is going to get tougher or do you think easier as technology advances hard to say i think you know it's for club champion who is, they give off the, and some people are into this persona, the persona of if it's just like the tour, if it's fit like the tour, if you're going to fit me like a, make me feel like a tour player, I'm going to be all for it. So you have that person. I don't think it's going to get necessarily any easier for them because once people kind of realize, and, you know, we've heard the horror stories of, you know, I got fit for this $900 driver, you know, because it has a special shaft in it, and then they, Let's say three weeks later, they just they're struggling a little bit, and then they come and they're like, "Let me try this out," and then it's just the stock version, and they're like, "Oh man, I spent X amount more dollars," you know, like so. How does this really work? So like, you get you get that, but I think it's going to get harder for them because these online selections and these online algorithms are going to get a little bit better, and they're going to only continue to get better, and they're going to be able to get a little bit closer to what you really should be in 
but then there's the old adage says that algorithm could be wrong. Right. So, you know, for me, I, I will go figure out an algorithm, like I've done it, where it recommends a shaft and it'll recommend a shaft, and that shaft is fine, but it's not the most optimal shaft for me. So if you do that, you may settle for a little less potential than you could have in a more expertly fitted product in hand, in person, with a launch monitor, seeing the ball fly. Remember, see it fly before you buy. That is an ad here. <laughs> that person is going to say the same. That person that wants to come get fit, see it, you, me, we're always going to be that way. And I think... The and it's and it's unfortunately probably my age of people, the ease of getting online and the the social part. It's I, I hate it. It's the social part. Like yeah. um, my my industry is moving that way. Real estate, yeah. you know, Zillow, Rocket Mortgage. Right. Click a button, get a mortgage. Click yes. a button, sell a house. Right. It's it's tough, but. With anything, there's always, like you said, there's booms, there's eaves and flows, right? So, I mean, we'll go through this, and then in two or three years, that may that algorithm stuff may go away, and people may come start coming back. There's going to be technology that comes out that, you know, you might see it at Dick's one day where it runs this laser over your whole body, and you make a swing, and it, yeah. boom, it spits you out of club. The like, sci-fi scan, Yeah, right? exactly. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't think we'll ever see, per se, a true fitting ever go away. How big of a role does PGA Tour golf or golf on TV impact your business, both volume of people, you know, feet in the grass or what moves out of the shop on the merchandise? Because I'm, I'm a, I have no brand loyalty. I'm very proudly agnostic on that. Mm-hmm. What fits is what works best is what works. That's right. what I'm going to go with. But I, I think I'm, kind of an except I feel like I'm an exception to that role there are people that are driver to putter all one, one brand, brand. Um, or they I don't know why but because I don't swing like anybody on the PGA tour exactly. so I don't necessarily want to model myself after that but from your side you you fill out the purchase orders you see what's moving out of the shop how big a role does that play bigger than you would want to imagine bigger than it should okay. um, more General amateurs should pay attention to the LPGA Tour and what the LPGA Tour is swinging. They don't know that, but the LP, the average LPGA Tour is, there was a study out, the average LPGA swing is pretty similar to like your male 8 to 12 handicap swing. Swing speed wise, all the numbers, angle of attack, all that's pretty similar. So everybody... There's probably... If you're a high-level college athlete, if you played college yes. baseball, even like D3, okay, you're athletic enough, you can look beyond that. Right. Um, the average 9-to-5 person does not need a 70-gram Tour X shaft that is $350. But you'll get that person that comes in... you get more than one of them. Oh. You'll get plenty of people that come in and be like, okay, I saw that John Rom has the new Callaway Rogue driver, and he has a Tour Aldilla Green. I'm also a very big club snob. I can pretty much tell you who everybody on Tour is playing. Big gear guy. I've memorized the back of baseball cards. You're you're memorizing shafts and head combinations. So he has an Aldilla Tour Green. Can I get that same combo? 
Yeah, I mean, you can. I mean, I, I don't know if that's going to fit you or not. I don't know anything about your swing. Let me see you hit a couple of balls, and I can tell you if that's the right direction or not. And sometimes somebody comes in, and they are able to swing what a tour player swings. So, and sometimes they just, they want to, they want the bag. They want the bag that the tour player has, which is this, you know, there's a lot of staff bag guys out there. That's a heavy, large bag to lug around and play golf. When my in-laws, I told them, I give people a list for Christmas each year, my wife and all the the parents, just so there's not, they don't duplicate. And I put a Sun Mountain bag on there one year. It showed up and they thought they had received an empty box. Like they had to open it because they were so worried they're going to have to call Sun Mountain. Like they're (laughs) used. Send us an empty like no, it only weighs two pounds. It's it, why why you would want more than that. I, I don't know. Even if you ride on a cart, listen. Even if you ride on a cart for every time you play golf, you can give it a hernia getting it out of your trunk. Exactly, <laughs> getting it from your trunk to the golf cart. I just I am now into the world of small carry bags. You know, like the smaller, the lighter, the better. Jones gets you a good Sunday bag. Yes. I mean, if it's crazy the people that do have the staff bags. And it's like, number one, if it's a windy day like today is, it's going to blow over. You're going to have to set it down. If you're out here on the range, you're going to have to set it down. Then you got to lift it up to get your club out and replace it. So it's a little much, but they definitely want the headwear. They want the, the headwear, the headwear craze of the tour. You mean the hats or the, the hats? Okay. Yeah, they want the hats just like those tour guys. And sometimes I'm like, sorry, that's like, you got to be on tour to get that hat, <laughs> you know? And then a lot of them want to be like, okay, how can I get the closest thing to John Rom's playing? How can I get the closest thing to it? Well, here's the same model driver, a little more forgiving, a little more closer to what you need. But you're just like him. You've got Callaway, and I'm like, if you want Callaway irons, we can get you the whole Callaway getup just like him. Just a little bit different. But a lot of people, and I have to blame myself. I was one before I got in the golf business. The tour impacted very much what I wanted, what I wanted to hit. You know, I... I May probably wasn't good enough to swing some of it, but I got it just because I thought it was cool. And some people that walk in may not even they watch golf, but they don't even care. Like you, you, you have no brand loyalty. It's you've got Strixon irons, you've got a Ping driver, you've got a little bit of everything. Right. And I will agree because I don't normally agree with my golf spy, but my golf spy did say there is not one club brand that has all fourteen clubs for somebody. Right. And that is completely true. Even you know, look at these guys that have mega club deals with companies on tour. Victor Hovland, Ping has a tailor made three wood. They just hadn't found a ping three-wood that he likes to hit. Henrik Stenson's famous 10-year-old three-wood. Yes. That I he mean, hit as far as his driver. Right. And so not all clubs fit the same. So, you know, there's these, like you said, and Titleist is a big one. Everybody thinks, and not the Titleist is bad, but everybody has the perception and persona of Titleist is the number one thing in golf. Right. So a lot of people are Titleist through and through, and you're never going to talk them out of anything else. And that's okay, because it does make, they all make good equipment. Everybody makes good equipment now. It's all so good, so well-researched. So I see both sides of coming in, wanting the tour or not wanting the tour product. Gotcha. The, I feel like the pros here at Man of War are pretty good at being jacks of all trades mm-hmm. that they you've got that the people that teach can also fit you and, and order your clubs and coach you mm-hmm. if that's one to go is that 
you know, it, now Keen Trace being a big club, but you know that private club where they're not selling as many club sets. Are, is the golf pro industry going to continue to specialize? in this era of COVID where you've got such an influx or is maybe talk about the COVID boom kind of in relation to how that is affecting your industry. COVID was a bad thing for the world, right? It was a great thing for golf. Of course. I mean, it really was. And we hate to say that you don't like to say that, but what it brought was, it brought people back to the game and it brought people to the game because we had that stretch where there was nothing else to do, right? right. We came to hit golf balls. Go we be outdoors. Golf. It was, that was great. And people were like, well, I can't go to my gym right now. How can I go get some physical activity? Boom, I'm going to go hit golf balls. I'm going to go play walk nine holes of golf. And that was good. And it have, golf was not, the golf business was not ready for that. That we were really not well prepared as from an industry standpoint of the availability of shafts, clubs, balls, gloves, all of that. We weren't ready to get basically like, every, you know, Holyfield punched in the face. It was what it was. And now we're still seeing the effects. It's been a domino effect where we can't get stuff. It's going to be, if you place a new order for clubs right now, it could be up to six weeks. You know, it depends on what you're fit for. But the way that COVID affected us, it brought more people to the game, brought people back to the game, and we've seen people get into it, and now they're staying into it. Okay, this is fun. I can find some time for this. It's recreational. I can play it, you know, wives. I can play it with my husband now. Or husband, I can play it with my wives. I can play it with my kids. I can play it with my father. You know, now you've gotten into where it's kind of become less individual, and now you've got more friends and more groups playing golf now. So it's been a, you know, it's been... It's been different, you know, because the one thing that bothers me and, uh, you know, I want customers to know is I want you to have your golf clubs. It's not like when they come in, I'm not going to tell you that they're not here. I want you to have them. And it's I wish there was more we could do on this level to get them here quicker. So that's that's been the toughest thing about COVID is the supply chain, which that's in every business and everything. It's constraints. But that's been the toughest thing about COVID for sure is it was good for the golf pro and it's been bad for the golf pro because we've had a lot of people just cancel and just stick with their old clubs because it's taken six weeks and then it took six weeks and then it got pushed back again and it's going to be another four weeks and we've had people cancel so that's bad right because you kind of lose that income but at the same time we get it i get it from a personal standpoint i don't want to wait 10 weeks or something that's no fun right right so Eagerness, you know, I can't wait to hit the new clubs, but you know, so it's been good and bad at the same time. What you described at your role at Thoroughbred or High Point and at you know Keen Trace was a relationship business right. with the members. Do you do any teaching anymore? Or was that ever something you aspired to? I do a little bit. Um, most of it's through. Our adult clinics here, our beginner adult clinics, I teach those. Um, I help out with member practices. And then I've just taught, you know, a few people here say, you know, people that know that I'm in golf business or teach clinics and stuff, they come to see me. Not very much. It's not something I have a lot of time for, but it's something that I don't mind doing. I do like doing it because it's, it's... it's cool to see the wow factor. That's my favorite thing about teaching. When you take some of those beginners and 
they can't, you know, you get down to them and they can't get it off the ground and they hit that one shot and they turn to you with the biggest wow face. You're just like that. That's why. That's why I do this. That's cool to see that wow factor. But it's not something that I'm going to chase and dream per se like Brad Brad who's going to teach until the day he can't teach that's I like the more operation side management side that's good you're in the operation yeah, side right <laughs> so I but I like also like doing it because it kind of makes you I can wear a lot of different hats it means I can do it like if somebody doesn't show up for a clinic or something or somebody somebody has a fidget fitting scheduled and the fitter can't make it or has an emergency, boom, I can jump right in pretty easily and do it just as well. So, but like you said at Thoroughbred and Keen Trace, it's all relationship building. It's how, especially at a public course, how can I build a relationship with this guy to make sure he comes back here and plays more instead of going to XYZ competitor? And for Keen Trace, building that relationship, how can I make your experience today great? That way... It's better the next day, and it's better the next day and the next day. That way it's always good. That way you feel like you're always getting your money worth. So it's different. It's, you know, and there's relationship building with you. Like, I built it with you and a lot of other members and a lot of other people who aren't even members. Just making sure you know their first name or know their last name or know something about them. And just, hey, how you doing every day? So... Gotcha. Did you have a public course where you lived growing up? You said you grew up around private in country club golf. Right. Um, I did have a, me and my dad would always go to a little nine hole course in Henderson. Uh, they called it a state park. It was John James Audubon state park. So I'm very familiar with that was on our way to the the family lake cabin up in Olney, Illinois. Um, one of my thoughts, one of my frustrations is that, you know me, I'm an advocate for public golf, municipal golf. Um, I feel like they're, they're all part of the parks and rec department. And in the last, I don't know, two decades, maybe less, feels like the, the balance between the parks part of that and the recreation part of that has tilted all the way to parks. And a lot of people have forgotten about the recreation mission. Now, the city of Lexington, notwithstanding, because they've, right. they've got the golf part is doing well. And they've got, you know, I remember there used to be a waiting list to get on adult volleyball leagues mm-hmm. that played at a random city park. There were adult and child golf clinics, right. you know, beginner clinics. There were same for tennis. There were you know basically beer league tennis that you yeah. could sign up to be a beginner and just go go play. And I feel like there's been so much pullback from that because it's easier just to mow grass, see grass. <laughs> yes. Um, from someone that is trying to grow the game and is that you know here, I'd assume most, a lot of your members probably have a membership somewhere, but you're you've got a lot of Joe Q public out here too. Yeah. Being a a golf professional, what do you see kind of as the state of publicly owned or financed golf in this area and if you see any trends more nationwide I think we're seeing it I think we're seeing it less and less because of financials Mm -hmm. how expensive it is to run a golf course and so that's the other hard part of golf right it's so expensive to do and so to get people to enjoy municipality maybe a little bit more expensive because it's a little bit more expensive to maintain. So I think that's why, you know, public courses that are privately owned, I feel like we might see those 
less and less, or if you find that yeah, person, they're, that, they're going to be the ones that are squeezed. Right. If you're not a, a high end destination, right. or the seagrass, mow grass, low end, yeah, I think that's been coming for for a little while. For a little, yeah, and then but for municipal and these parks and recs, if they can find a way to invest and keep. Like our city does, I think, a great job, right? We have a lot of good tracks. You get everything you get from Tate's Creek, where it's family beginner golf, right? Mm-hmm. To, a lot of seniors. Yeah, a lot of seniors. And you get Picadome, which is always in great shape, walking. And then you've got, you know, Kearney, which is could be a private club if you really wanted to do it right. and had somebody that had the money to do it. It could be. It's the best $40 course in the country. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, not, not even close. I would say it's the best $40 course during the week in the state. And how many places can you play designed by a, a world-renowned right. designer? Yeah, built built to host a senior tour tournament. Right. And you know, during the week, you're going to play for 40 bucks. Like, I mean, and it's in pretty good shape. Yeah. So... That's where we need to thrive on. That's the only way we can thrive on. Because the public or the private's gonna be the private. You're gonna have people who only want that. Mm-hmm. There's people out there that only want private, they only want to be catered to and waited on. There's gonna always be people that want that. Yep. And but that becomes a, if that's the only place for juniors to come in, then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of it get that pyramid gets smaller, smaller and more smaller. elite. So having more beginner, maybe even beginner golf leagues, beginner golf tournaments or stuff like that, more stuff for municipality to capitalize on that. And we need as much public municipality parks and rec. All we need more of that that we can get. It's going to be harder and harder because, like you said, we're going to see a, the the privately owned public. It's, it's hard for that fella. Especially with, you know, the number one threat right now is, hi, I'm a developer. I'll give you X per acre for all yes. of this. And when the, when he adds that up, when the owner adds that up at the end, she's going to say, well, that makes a lot more sense. Why not? Right. Yeah. I don't have to put any more money into it. I'm getting a lot of money out of it. Versus, you know, you talk about the nine-hole Audubon course. Mm-hmm. There's a little... It took me a while to find it, but, you know, there's a little nine-hole course like that cut out of a farm field or out of a holler, you know, all over the state. Yes. But as population leaves those areas, right? those are going away too, which is isn't great for the long-term right. future it's not. when you've got video games, when you've got, you know— Simulator golf. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's places that have simulator golf that I can go play a full 18-hole round in two hours versus four. That, that makes it tough. And I can drink beer and watch sports and eat fried food. I, I mean, like, so it's tough versus going four hours drinking beverages and having corn dogs and hot dogs and Snickers. It becomes time. You, you started out by saying you don't get to play a lot of golf because you're a golf pro. And that's just everyone in the industry that I've talked to always says they never get to play enough golf. Where are some of the favorite places you've played? And I'll frame it this way. When the travel restrictions finally got better or when the vaccine got here or whenever you felt comfortable getting out, where was the place you wanted to go play? Where did you daydream of? Or like I had a goal. Like mm-hmm. I was going to get back to Tobacco Road and go. I was going to go walk Mid Pines yep. and Tobacco Road and feel like life is back to normal again. I got to 
I've been to two wonderful places. I've been to Pinehurst. I played Pinehurst number two and number four. And I could, I almost didn't want to come back from Pinehurst. That was one of the most awesome experiences and best two walks ever. And then this past September, I got to go to Monterey Peninsula. I got to play Pebble, Spyglass. I was in San Francisco and played um, San Francisco Golf Club. Oh, wow. Um, just places you never think you're going to walk. Like walking Pebble Beach for the eight, nine holes you're on the water is you think there's nothing better than what you're doing at that moment. And time, it's amazing when you're out there how time becomes a little bit slower because you're just taking it all in. And and then Spyglass was... Yeah, Pebble's a six-hour round that you don't complain about right, being out there exactly. for six hours. <laughs> and then Spyglass is the same way. Spyglass is as special as special gets. But those places were bucket list places that I never thought I'd be able to fulfill. I think I got to fulfill those. And then, of course, from very close to where I am is Victoria National. It's very close to where I am. And getting back to play that was awesome. For people who don't know, that's just outside of Evansville, Mm -hmm. Indiana. Uh, A lot of Western Kentucky, uh, very close there. It's the home of the Tour Championship for the uh, Corn Ferry Tour, so it's... It's awesome. It's a good track. It's it's built out of an old quarry. Mm-hmm. It is Florida golf in Indiana. It's yes, crazy. It's it's very different. It's but it it rivals being as good as some of those big places like a Pebble and a Pinehurst. Like it's that good in rural Southern Indiana. That is, and when you get to it, it's the middle of nowhere, which is the funniest thing too. Yeah, it's an old quarry. Yeah, so. And then they've got this illustrious course that hosts the Web or the Corn Ferry Finals. So those places are good, but man, some of, like where I'm from, like some of the just municipal nine hole places, like going over to Meadowbrook, like it's fun because you can kind of for me, I can kind of wear a t shirt and shorts and relax a little bit yeah. and don't have to keep up with the golf pro persona of khakis button-up shirt tucked in no hat all that fun stuff here's my worry and i I, i'm interested in your opinion on this like that what you just talked about that's lynch country club that's a lot of places but none of those are being built anymore right your what is being built is victoria national dormy club Mm -hmm. pinehurst number four you look who's building and it is Residential golf building is slowly coming back. Yes. But what is really being built, what is on the cover of magazines, are destination high-end resort golf. Mm -hmm. Sand Valley, Bandon. Yes. um, Dormy Club. Right. The Victoria National. Is that a problem? Do you think that's a problem for golf or is that – and I hate to – paraphrase something that's been said, but – or is that that sort of aspirational – deal is that better for golf or is the long-term future in trouble because it's the grassroots isn't being tended to it's it's almost what i compare it to is like when you're in high school and like you have the career day the job fair day and like you have it's like you have this brochure like this is what you could do if you go to college and you do this and you work 30 years and you retire right it shows you the ultra exclusive life that's what that is it doesn't show you that you can also play a lot of places in like rural areas that are public 18 hole public municipal nine holes that are really fun right that you have a good experience at 
versus this ultra exclusive Sand Valley destination, Bandon, Whistling Straits. It sh it doesn't show you that there's there is something else to do. There is somewhere else to go. It doesn't show you that, and I I don't necessarily agree with it. I think it's the top 20% of people could go there. What about the people who they've got three kids and, you know, they're all different ages and they're playing sports and, you know, life is expensive in general. And then you want to shell out what is three, $4,000 to go on a golf trip on the other side of the United States. Yeah. You got to play Pinehurst number two and four and Pebble beach in your twenties. Mm -hmm. Imagine showing up in your 60s when you have a little more trouble putting a move on the golf ball. Like right. that, That's the, the joke conversation, the, the running right. text thread I have with my buddies. Is like, yeah, that's expensive. We got some guys that are insanely cheap. But at the same time, I feel like it's a – like we do it now or never or else right. we're going to miss the it's, whole point of being there. Right. You can't play it when you were at your peak playing prime and all that. Yeah, so. the artificial knee and a bad shoulder. Right. I've got to – you know, because those are the places you want to walk. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we, so you don't, you, you see people that save up then like a, I played when I was in Pebble, I played with a guy who Pebble was his dream. It, it, it was the, being able to walk with somebody who that was their dream to play there. That was so cool because for me, it was, it was amazing. I loved it. Cause I was like comparing myself to like Gary Woodland and like Tiger when they played there and won the open, like Okay, I remember when Gary Woodland hit the shot on 14 with his three-wood. That was just nuts. And I stood in that spot, and I was like, that's crazy. And then you've got this guy I met, Mark. He was in – it was, you know, for me, my dream is to play Augusta National. It will always be my dream to play there. It's the, wow. course, it's the course we all grew up with. Yes. And seeing for him that it's always been pebble – and watching him walk and just enjoy it and just that was cool. And I'm like, I can't imagine what I would act like at Augusta. Well, he said I would cry if I'm on the first tee trying to hold a golf club and hit the golf ball. But that's that's the cool stuff. But there's also a lot of cool stuff. It's like the Ferrari versus, you know, Toyota versus Lexus. You can go drive a Lexus. Great. But you can also drive a Toyota. That's the same car with a different badge. I'll get you out here on this. We'll tie it all in. Does junior golf do a good job of exposing all that? Do you play places that are fun, maybe less fancy, and then aspire, kind of show them, like, if you, if you love it, drive for chip and putt, national tournaments and those sorts of things? I think you, it's only going to get better, and it needs to get better. It needs to show them both sides. And I think it needs to start with showing them showing them the grassroots, showing them municipality, showing them Tate's Creek, pick a dome before you even think about showing them King Trace, Lexington Country Club. Yeah, it's great, but municipality is where this game was, to me, that's the grassroots, that's its bread and butter. It's like the steel factories and steel towns, like in Pittsburgh, steel. There's corporate there's corporate businesses there now. Yeah, it's a banking center now. Right. But it was formed on steel. That's kind of how I feel about golf. It's public golf is always going to be a little bit more fun to me than private. Hey, thanks for stopping by for this episode of the Blind Shots podcast. Thank you again to Matthew for making the time to chat. As you heard, he's sharp and funny and every bit the golf tragic that most of us can identify with. So it's nice to hear his opinion on things that I want to know about. 
Remember to head over to Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast player service you're listening from and leave a rating and review for the show. Remember, each time someone leaves a five-star rating for the Blind Shots podcast, that person receives an extra seven range balls in their practice bucket free of charge. Hope you've enjoyed what you heard here today. If you didn't like what you heard, sorry about that. I can't give you your time back, but I will try to make it more entertaining next time. I promise. And I hope you will join me again next time here on the Blind Shots podcast. Until then, stay safe, be smart, remember to hydrate all day, and as always, when you have the choice, do decide to go for it and take dead aim. All of these holes at Kearney Hill all have names, and they're all just terrible inside jokes that I think if you weren't there 30 years ago, you have no idea what they mean, and it can't be deciphered. So silly.